Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to Anything is Potable, the Boston Celtics podcast on the Athletic Network. I'm your host, Jay King. Obviously, Sam Packard, who normally hosts this, he's still sick. He said he has a flu. I don't know why he's not toughing it out during playoff season. I don't know why he was tweeting about the game, but doesn't have the energy to come on the podcast. He says that he might be back for a Sunday podcast, but for now, it's just going to be me discussing Celtics Hawks game one, the really sharp effort from the Celtics in the first half, the third quarter lull that let Atlanta almost get back into the game. And then the the sharp, sharp fourth quarter from the Celtics kind of ramped back up the defense, got a bunch of stops, and and just closed the door on the Hawks. Uh, for anyone listening live, feel free to, to raise your hand. I uh, would love to take as many callers as possible, keep this kind of a fun conversation about everything that happened in the game. So don't hesitate to raise your hand. I'll call you on stage. You can ask a question. You can give an opinion. You can tell me I am an asshole. That'd be cool too. Um, But I just thought game one, like that first half was just an awesome display of Celtics defense. They, a number of the players said that, Jalen Brown's play on the first possession just kind of set the tone for them, got other guys to follow his lead. And it was an awesome, awesome play. The Hawks tried to screen him on the left side of the court, and he just wouldn't let it happen. He refused to get screened. He jumped in the passing lane. He stole the ball went and hustled after it, and then got a layup at the other end of the court. And it actually took the Celtics, like, a little while to establish control after that. But I felt like even early on, they were playing a much better brand of basketball than Atlanta. And Atlanta shots were much more difficult than Boston's. Um, Jason Tatum missed a wide-open three early. DeJounte Murray hit a couple of tough jumpers, but like the Celtics defense was forcing Atlanta into some really, really tough shots. Trey Young thought he had a layup. Derek White smacked it away. Uh, Just the defense from the Celtics from the very start was just awesome. 
And I think it, it probably lends credence to the the idea that this group, which finished second in the defensive efficiency over the regular season, has another gear to reach now that it's the playoffs. That Hawks that Hawks offense is a good offense. Trey Young is a really tough offensive player. He was not able to do anything efficiently for most of the game. Uh, he had some lob passes. He he made some plays during the third quarter, especially. The Hawks got going a little bit. Bogdanovich got open for a couple threes. I think he like giggled at the Celtics bench at one point, which kind of cracked me up. Um, but other than that third quarter, the Celtics defense was just dominant. Absolutely dominant. Uh, and I just thought it was an effort that suggested that they they still have a few miles per hour on their fastball that, that they didn't always reach back for during the regular season. We're going to go to a caller right now. I think it is, is it Dove? Dove? Uh, I'm not sure if I'm saying your name right, but I'm calling you up to the stage right now. Um, hopefully you will be up there. Soon. What's up, my man? What do you got for us? All right. Um, just one quick question for you. Um, whenever I, like, I, I was watching the game and stuff, it pretty much looked um, like green the whole game. I was wondering your opinion. You think if the Hawks can't get it done, this could be Trey's last games in Atlanta? Oh, wow. We're, we're going right toward talks of Trey Young's future. Uh, <laughs> I am. I'm not sure really where things stand between him and the Hawks franchise. Obviously, the Hawks got rid of Nate McMillan. I think part of that, based on some of the reporting, was that he didn't quite get along with Trey Young. Um, that's not really a move you make for Trey Young if Trey Young is not part of your future. But the Hawks have kind of gone through a lot. I don't want to spend too much time on Trey Young's future because we have a playoff game to discuss here. This isn't a Hawks podcast, but yeah, it's obviously been a, an iffy, iffy situation over there. Um, but Quinn Snyder has barely had any time. I think he's going to get the, he, he, has an identity, a way of play that he wants from them, and that's to shoot more threes, to play a wide-open offensive style. It's kind of taking form, but I just don't think they're ready yet for a premier team like the Celtics. Uh, I'm going to call on EB. EB, you are on the stage. What you got for us, my man? Hey, Jay. I just just asked a question in the chat about – just curious how – Rob looks in person if he's, uh, you know, I feel like some of the stuff Simmons mentioned it earlier this week on his podcast and in person, you know, he was seeing, you know, Rob look a little more hobbled than maybe we see on TV. So that's question one. And then two, obviously like on the national stage, JB's more controversial year off the court, probably going to get a little bit more attention. And I'm just curious have you guys had any luck like getting him um, to kind of like clarify some of his comments as he, you know, inferred that he would to the times a little bit earlier this year? 
That is a good question. Uh, no. So <laughs> the answer is no. Uh, and with the talk about the comments Jalen made earlier this year, um, after the game, I think it was in Sacramento, he he said that he, he suggested that the comments he's made about his future, about the city of Boston, whatever, were taken out of context. Um, and he said he was thinking about clarifying some things. He declined the opportunity to clarify them that night. Pretty sure he doesn't want it to become a storyline at all, his future. Um, even though, obviously, he, he talked about it to the New York Times and the Ringer, and it became a thing. Honestly, that this might all be like total non-factor because he looks like he's going to make one of the All NBA teams, which will set him up for a super max extension, which will turn the Celtics roster into a super expensive one one day, but will also allow them to offer Jalen enough money this summer to keep him around, keep him with Jason Tatum, keep building this, and avoid the possibility that he would hit free agency a year from now. Now that doesn't mean he's going to stay in Boston forever. We've seen guys sign extensions and then ask out later, but from all indications, he does appreciate his place on the team. He appreciates the guys that he works with. Um, He's shown nothing but respect for Joe Missoula. So I, I think I don't think it's really anything to worry too much about unless he misses the All-NBA team. And it seems like he's going to make one of those. All the early returns suggest he's going to make one of of those. Um, As for Rob, I thought today was the best he's looked probably in a while. That block he made on Jalen Johnson, who can fly, by the way. Jalen Johnson is an absolute pogo stick. And he had what looked like an open lane to the rim, what looked like it was going to be a super easy dunk. And Rob came from outside of the paint to not only block it, but then just kind of grab it. And just a one of the plays that only a few guys in the league can make, just the recovery time the timing on the shot block itself, the agility, like all of it was just only rare athletes, rare defenders make that play. And and it wasn't just that, like he, he had a a bunch of buckets, a bunch of dunks. Um, There was one play and I was, I was actually watching game film a little bit of game film before this podcast. And there was one play when Trey Young, who's really good in the pick and roll, just so crafty. Um, but they had like a little cat and mouse game where Trey was like acting like he was going to shoot it. And then he was acting like he was going to pass. And then he was acting like he was going to shoot it. And, and Rob like was able to react to the potential of a shot and then get back to the potential of a pass and then go back and forth. And Trey ended up passing, and it was a turnover. And I just, I just thought like the movement there, the ability to change directions as many times as he did, the reflexes on that play, he looked healthy to me. 
and as healthy as he's looked. Um, and that's a big deal. Obviously, it's a big deal that that he seems to be pretty healthy. He didn't play a ton of minutes tonight, but the Celtics didn't need him to. Uh, I don't know exactly how many games he played, but or how many minutes he played, but it wasn't like a huge load. He came off the bench, which I wouldn't be surprised if that's more because of this matchup. Like the Hawks defense, I think the Celtics believe they can spread them out and believe that they can really beat them with dribble penetration and finding open guys. And, and I think we saw some of that, but Rob had 12 points, eight rebounds in 22 minutes, six for six from the field. Uh, so I, I thought he was good. I thought, especially in the first half, he was moving around at a really good clip that suggests that for the time being, at least he's healthy. And obviously it's, it's something that the, the Celtics need. Um, he lifts them to another level, but I thought it was interesting that Missoula stayed with the smaller starting lineup. And again, that could be matchup based. Like the Hawks have Trey Young for the Celtics to try to exploit on defense. And they weren't afraid at all of going at DeJounte Murray either. Um, but the more perimeter options you have, the more spacing you have on the court, the easier it is to go after a guy like Trey Young and to beat the other guys off the dribble. And so it could be matchup stuff. Could be just that he likes how Robert Williams has played off the bench lately. Could be just that Derek White has kicked ass and he wanted him in the starting lineup. Derek White played 39 minutes tonight. The Celtics seem to be like including him among their best players in lineup choices now, which wasn't always the case this season. Um, so, but the Rob stuff, I thought all looked, looked pretty good. And then like someone, someone's bringing up in the chat, how about Grant Williams? Uh, I thought that was the other interesting lineup decision is Sam Hauser played instead of Grant Williams. I don't think this is really a Grant Williams series though. The Hawks have, Really nobody that has the physicality and scoring ability that you need Grant Williams to guard him. And so I think Hauser's ability to space and then like the key guys on that Hawks team are are both guards in Trey Young and DeJounte Murray. So that's not Grant Williams' best the best part of Grant Williams' defense, that's not it's staying in front of guards. He can do it, um, but it's not the, the thing he's best at. So I don't think it's too much of a shock that the Celtics went with Sam Hauser instead and his shooting, which as good as Grant Williams has been as a shooter over the last two seasons, Hauser's just another level as a shooter, just the, the off movement, the ability to put stress on a defense and all that. He didn't make a three didn't make a shot <laughs> um but the the threat of that shooting can be pretty important sometimes i'm bringing up hirsch onto the stage right now how you doing hirsch hey doing great um so i think we only caught a glimpse of it in the second half but al horford was able to hit a couple threes and it's kind of felt like 
all year, but especially down the stretch. Uh, Al Horford's just been an absolute marksman. He's shooting from deeper than before. He's making more threes. He's shooting more threes. Um, just want to get your perspective, not to jump ahead or anything, but uh, Philly and Milwaukee, both of them have um, some pretty awesome rim. Not to jump same. ahead, but but you jumped ahead. Yeah, that's kind of what I do. You say you have to do something and then you do it. Um, just wondering, I guess, uh, what's sort of your perspective on the Al Horford three-point shooting? Has he been practicing it? Has he been talking about it? Do you think it'll be important going forward? Yeah, that, that's something that he has been working on for years since he was still in Atlanta. Um, late in his it, Atlanta tenure, he, he saw where the game was going. He decided... I'm going to need to shoot more threes eventually. Um, and it's something that's really, I believe, extended his career. Now, he, could he have been a helpful player without adding three-point shot deep into his 30s? Yeah, probably. He does a lot well. He's a great defender. Um, but the three-point shot differentiates him. And it allows the Celtics specifically to space the court and spread you out and hurt you in so many ways. Like that first half was, he wasn't scoring a lot. Um, I don't know if he's even scored at all in the first half. (laughs) Like wasn't a huge scoring night from Al Horford, but his ability to space, whether it's Capella or Okongwu, the Hawks had literally no help on so many Celtics layups in a row. It was just layup after layup. There was one point in the first half when the Hawks had 29 points and the Celtics had 30 points in the paint. And it was just like, there was no help whatsoever. And part of that is the Hawks defense. They're just not a great defensive team that has been their MO for a while. I think they were like, okay, during the year they went to the Eastern Conference Finals, but not great. And other than that, since then, they've just been trash. Um, But like the amount of space that the Celtics had, a lot of that is because Horford. And you have to you have to respect the three ball. You have to respect that he's going to hit it and hit it consistently. And like you said, he's shooting it from deeper now. The Celtics have games where when they're playing a slower-footed center, they'll actually run Horford off pin downs to shoot threes. Like, this was a while ago, but the, the Pelicans game... I forget when that was. Jonas Valanciunas was guarding him, and and they just ran pin downs for Al Horford to get threes. <laughs> like that's not something Al Horford used to do. That's something that he had to really work at. And so his three point versatility, on top of the consistency, has just been really important for them. Um, if you guys want, if anyone else wants to come in, ask a question. That'd be cool. I'm just kind of doing this podcast solo right now. Packard, still sick. Still still not tough enough to to tough it out and, and give a playoff performance. Just kind of sad, honestly, that, that he would let the flu keep him out of a playoff podcast. I've podcasted through a lot worse than that. I I've podcasted from a cousin's wedding before. And, and so it's just, it's sad that that Packard would, would stoop to a 
a level, maybe not stoop to a level because this is clearly his level where he's just not tough enough to handle adversity, not tough enough to, to handle the flu, and not tough enough to do it in the playoffs. This is an opening game of the playoffs. Packers just just not going to show up to the podcast. What kind of example is that setting? What t- type of tone does that set for me? Um, but I guess I have to set the tone here. I guess I have to be the one to to really establish this podcast uh, as a podcast that's going to be going every day during the every weekday during the playoffs. Um, after every game during the playoffs, we'll we'll do uh, a podcast. And if I have to do it myself, I will. Um, so yeah, if, if anyone else has questions, go ahead. The, uh, things kind of went sideways for the Celtics during the third quarter. It was like <laughs> 30 point lead. And then the Hawks got down to 24 and they got back up to 30. And then all of a sudden it was 12. <laughs> like kind of happened really quickly. Celtics kind of let their let go of the rope a little bit, uh, especially offensively. I felt like they were just losing their, not their poi, like more like losing their purpose. Jalen Brown, who finished with six turnovers, had one play where like the Hawks had someone that wasn't back on defense. And it was a five on four fast break. And the Celtics had clear numbers. Like all you have to do is just, Find the open man. And instead, Jalen drove at a set defender, lost it, and it went the other way. And That kind of was symbolic of the Celtics' play during that little stretch in the third quarter. There were a lot of no pass or few pass possessions, uh, some stagnant offense, just kind of how it goes sometimes when this team loses itself. And they lose themselves sometimes when they get up big. Uh, obviously, it didn't matter. They were up 30. The Hawks never got closer than 12. But probably don't do that. Probably stay away from letting them cut a 30-something point lead to 12. Just take care of the ball. Find open teammates. And it, it's frustrating, I'm sure, for Celtics fans because the Celtics have shown time after time when they are willing to execute their offense, when they are willing to work on offense, when they move off the ball, when they pass the ball, when they are committed to all the little things, the screening and execution, when they're committed to all of that, they're so tough to guard, especially especially for the Hawks. Uh, but anyway, the Hawks got the lead to 12, and then the Celtics kind of decided, all right, let's let's ramp up this defense again. Al Horford had a huge block. Marcus Smart had a stretch where he just made three just awesome defensive plays in a row. One was in transition where he just timed it perfectly, knocked the ball out of bounds. Then the ensuing play, he makes an incredible play to not not only hit the ball away from the ball handler, but but then grab it. Uh, it was initially called a foul, but overturned on replay. And I, I just thought Marcus Smart in this game was like dialed, dialed, dialed in. 
one of the best defensive games he's played in a while. He's talked since the regular season about how good a place he is in physically. Uh, and I just thought he made some incredible defensive plays. And, you know, you look at the box score, one thing that stood out, the Hawks had 14 offensive rebounds, um, which seems like a lot, but they missed 60 shots. And so, so 14 offensive rebounds, like, really isn't a great offensive rebound rate. I thought the Celtics did a pretty good job there, and they uh, there were some obviously like the Hawks got some offensive rebounds, and Celtics got probably got a little lucky that the Hawks didn't score on on more of those second chance opportunities. But there were a couple plays when like Malcolm Brogdon made an awesome box out on Okongwu, and then Marcus Smart had an awesome box. I think it was on Okongwu too. And it's like when your guards are making those types of plays to seal off a great offensive rebounder and go get the ball like that, that's the good stuff. And Okongwu still had five offensive rebounds. Like he was still a force in that way, but there were some, some awesome box outs. One, one by Al Horford too on a possession. I think the Celtics had actually given up two offensive rebounds earlier in the possession and he'd made an awesome box out and then drew a foul and then kind of flexed and did his thing. That's how you know it's playoff Al Horford when he starts flexing and shit like that. Um, But I just thought, except for that third quarter and the third quarter was bad. It was sloppy. It was, it was everything you don't want a quarter to be, but it didn't matter. And in all the parts of the game that mattered, the Celtics were just really good. Um, They threw some dumbass passes, (laughs) even when they were good. But other than that, I just thought, like, the defense was at such a high level. The offense in the first half was just like layup after layup after layup. And, you know, they've been a team throughout the season that kind of settles at times. And and I don't want to say settle because a lot of the time they produce really good three-point attempts and they shoot a lot of threes, but like they're really good at that. Um, but they don't always get to the basket. That first half, they did not settle at all. They were just attacking. They were taking advantage of the Hawks' porous help defense, non-existent help defense, really. And, and it was just, like just a layup line for a while. That Hawks defense was was really, really pathetic for a while there. Um, and they tightened things up a little bit in the second half. I don't know whether that was because the Celtics loosened up. Um, but for the Hawks to make this a series, they'll need to be a whole lot better than they were in that first half defensively. It was just bad it was gross and it wasn't just trey young either it was everybody getting beat off the dribble nobody providing help at the rim the amount of uncontested layups or very lightly contested layups the celtics had was i mean if if you're an atlanta fan or an atlanta coach that must have been highly alarming (laughs) highly alarming um is there anything else from this game to talk about 
I don't think so. I think that's just about it. Uh, so yeah, as I've said a few times on the last few podcasts, we are going to be going recording a podcast after every game during the playoffs. We are going to be recording a podcast to be delivered to your podcast feeds, whether it's Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcast every weekday. At one point, Packard will get healthy again and he'll rejoin me and these podcasts will be more fun. But until then, it's just me and the callers and everyone tough enough to to join a playoff podcast, which Packard right now just just isn't willing to do. Uh, so I, I have doubts about him right now, about his competitive fabric, about his perseverance, just about his toughness in general. And it, honestly, it, it, this this could – I'll remember this. I'll remember this, just the way that he would not podcast in the playoffs. Maybe it's just a Hawks thing. Maybe maybe he has no respect for the series. I don't know. But I do know that this show is better with Packard. We need him back, and he'll be back soon. Until then, anything is possible!